Well, today I want to begin by letting you know that you have been prayed for, and uh, that, that's not unusual. We always pray for our church family, but uh, this week we have been praying a very specific prayer, and you've been prayed for by some wonderful prayer warriors, because I reached out to our elders and their wives, um, you know, probably in reverse order when it comes to, you know, praying, but, but just to say, would you join us in uh, praying a specific verse in preparation for our uh, time together Sunday. And here's the verse that, that has been prayed over you this week. It comes from Ephesians 3, starting in verse 16. And it says, I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And listen to this prayer. I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. I love that, that prayer. And that won't be our primary text today, but that is the prayer that has been prayed over our church family and over our community in general. Uh, it is a prayer that is directed toward those who do have faith in Christ. As you read those, those verses there, uh, he's, he's praying that they will have a more full, more complete understanding of the fullness of God's love for them. I also want to say this, for those that may not yet have a relationship with Christ, we're going to talk about that in a minute too, how we can experience God's love in a very personal and a very real way. But, but the prayer, one of the things that I love so much about this the prayer for those that do know Christ is a prayer that they would be rooted and established in love. I mean, think about that. When I think about something being rooted and established, my mind goes immediately to something like a, a tree, for example. I want you to imagine the difference between an oak tree that is just a young sapling that maybe has just recently been planted in the ground and one that's been there, say, 50 years or so. Uh, any of us, with a little bit of effort, could take a young sapling that has just been planted and probably pull it up out of the ground, uproot it from the ground, because it hasn't had a chance to grow and establish and, and, and the roots really get rooted. and That wouldn't be all that difficult. But what do you think would happen if you went to a 50-year-old oak tree and decided that you were going to try to uproot it, pull it out of the ground, you're not getting anywhere. In fact, you might not be able to pull it out with a tractor and a chain, you know, depending on how well it's rooted and how well it's established. And I love that image and that, that visual is that, that we as the people of God would have that deep of a root system that we will be established like that. And the way it says that we go about getting there is by understanding and, and really experiencing God's love for us. It talks about the height and the you know, the width and the length and depth and all the things of, of, of God's love. And so God's love is one of those things that is kind of a basic uh, type of a concept. And yet at the same time, there's so much depth to it. Years ago when I was in seminary, I came across something for the very first time uh, and have since come to find out that this was, you know, something that's been around for hundreds of years, uh, this, this saying. But I was reading a commentary and it was talking about, in particular, it was the Gospel of John. But this this phrase is attributed to the Bible, that the Bible is shallow enough for a child not to drown, but deep enough for an elephant to swim. 
And I, I just, that, that stuck with me. That was probably 25, 30 years ago uh, when I first came across that. But I love that, that picture. That's a great description of what the love of God is as well. Shallow enough for a child not to drown, but deep enough for an elephant to swim. You know, there are some elements of the love of God that's just kind of basic. You know, Jesus talked about coming to, uh, to God with a childlike faith. A child can understand God loves them. And yet there are depths to that love that are deep enough for an elephant to swim. There, there are depths that we will never fully exhaust. And so today, as we jump into our passage, my prayer and our prayer has been that we will have a deeper and richer grasp of the love of God that will cause us to be more deeply rooted in our faith. I want you to open your Bible with me to John's Gospel, John chapter 3. And we're going to read that together in just a little bit. Not quite yet, but let me give you a little bit of background of what's going on. We are about to jump into what is probably the most often quoted Bible uh, verse, and that is John 3.16. That's part of our passage today. We all know John 3.16. But the the context of that, let me just remind you what was going on. Um, There was a, a man named Nicodemus who we are told was a member of the Jewish ruling council meaning he was somebody of fairly high standing among the Jewish people. He was a religious leader. Jesus even refers to him as the teacher of Israel. And it says that he came to Jesus at night. Presumably he came at night because he didn't want to be seen by other religious leaders. But there was something about Jesus. Nicodemus saw something in him that he couldn't ignore and he wanted to know more. And so he comes to Jesus to find out, and it's interesting if you read this interchange between Jesus and Nicodemus, Jesus wastes no time getting to the point. He just jumps in almost immediately and tells him, you must be born again. And they had this exchange back and forth. What, you know, Nicodemus is wrestling with, what are you talking about being born again? Surely I can't enter into my mother's womb a second time to be born. And he's, he's trying to grasp exactly what he means by that. And Jesus talks about being born of water and of the Spirit. Being born of water is a reference to physical birth. You know, the water breaks, there's water associated with physical birth. But he said you also need to be born of the Spirit. And so he's talking about the fact that just being born physically isn't enough. You have to be reborn spiritually. You have to be born into God's family. And so Nicodemus is trying to, 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 to understand this. And, and uh, Jesus, in his explanation, uh, in verses 13 and, uh, or I guess in 14, Jesus said, Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. It's interesting that he refers, obviously talking to somebody who very well knew the history of the the Old Testament scriptures, but he references something from the Old Testament where uh, the people had had grumbled against Moses and his leadership again. It was, why have you brought us out into the wilderness to die? And God sends, as a form of judgment on the people, God sends venomous snakes among the people. And they begin to attack and bite and, and... People are dying because of the judgment of God. And so they come to Moses and they say, Moses, please pray for us. And Moses prays. And what God instructs Moses to do is to make this bronze serpent and put it high up on a pole. And the people are to look toward this serpent. Now, by the way, just a little side note there. Anybody ever thought about how wonderful it would be if somebody grumbled and complained against your leadership, if God would send venomous serpents 
to go take care of the problem. Don't you think for a minute that that thought hadn't crossed my mind as your pastor. I'm just, no, I'm kidding about that. Actually, if God sent venomous snakes and they made it into this building, my wife, John, would blow up the entire place in order to get rid of one snake. I'm just going to tell you that's what would happen. But, but in this case, God really does send that as a form of judgment. But then he provides, it's really interesting. He could have just gotten rid of the snakes, right? But he didn't. What he instructed Moses to do was to, to, to provide this statue of a snake. It was to put high up on a pole. And the people, if they got bit by the snake, they would look up. And that looking up was a demonstration. It was intended to be, at least, a demonstration of faith. It was an acknowledgement that I need God's help, that I need to look to God for healing. It turned into an idol, which is a story of, you know, that's, that's another story. But the intended purpose was lift it up so that, so that people could look toward the snake in faith. And Jesus says the same way the Son of Man has to be lifted up. He's obviously talking about his death on the cross. When he would be lifted up on the cross and that those who would look up toward Jesus in faith would be healed. They would be born again. All right, so that's the background. Let's pick it up 16 through 18. It says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now, before we jump in and, and tear this, this passage uh, apart a little bit to look at what the love of God really means and to try to understand the depth and height and width and breadth and all. Let's first talk about the fact that, that the, at its most basic level, um, this is a, a passage that tells us how we come into a relationship with God. There's a reason that John 3.16 is the, the most commonly quoted Bible verse. It is a lot of people's favorite verse. It, there's a reason that we go to this verse because it is a beautiful uh, just a, a real small um, summary of the gospel. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him, believe, meaning trust. In other words, whoever comes to a point of turning away from their own sin and putting their trust in Jesus and looking toward, if you take that illustration Jesus gave of the serpent being lifted up, looking toward Jesus, lifted up on that cross, believing that Jesus died in our place, that anyone who does that, he said... That, that we will have eternal life. What an incredible promise that is. What a wonderful thing to know that we can, can spend eternity in God's presence when life is over. And so I want to begin there by saying that's where we have to start is by understanding and, and developing a relationship with God by trusting in Jesus and understanding and knowing the eternal life that He offers to each of us. And if you're not there yet, um, I would just strongly encourage you to take that step of faith. But once you have taken that step of faith, then the next step is to, to grow in our appreciation for God's love for us and our understanding of God's love for us so that we can really uh, be impacted by that. And by the way, one of the things I'd point out that Ephesians uh, 3 passage we read earlier, it talks about the love that surpasses knowledge. This is never intended to just be an intellectual exercise. Okay? This is something that is experiential. It's something that we, we come to know the love of God and it changes us. But let me point out to you today three things about God's love from this passage. And we'll take a little bit of a different angle uh, on this John 3 passage. The first thing is just the, the reminder that love 
is an action, not a feeling. When the Bible says that God so loved the world, it's telling what he did. Because love is an action, not just a feeling. I think that we have been indoctrinated through Hollywood, through culture, um, just we have become accustomed to this concept and belief that love is some type of a feeling. You know, that it is a warm, fuzzy, um, you, we think about the words that we even use. We talk about falling in love. It almost feels as if it's something that you can't help, right? Or that just kind of happens to you. It's not active. You just kind of fall in love. Or we even talk about falling out of love. Because if you can fall in love, then I guess you can fall out of love. And, and, and we emphasize so much the, the feeling. And it's almost like we are just passive subjects but the Bible tells us that love is active. Love is a, is a verb. It's something that we do. It's something that we choose even. And God loved us. Now, I'm thankful for the, the, the feelings and the warm fuzzies that come along with that. I really am. I think that's a wonderful gift and a blessing of God. It's just that we cannot allow those feelings to dictate whether or not we love. Because God loved us not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are. I, I want to say that again. Some of you probably aren't going to like it, but it's the truth. God loves us not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are. See, we are sinful people. We do fall short. We, we are rebellious by nature. We don't deserve the love of God. He doesn't love us because we are lovely. God loves us because of who He is. He loves us because that's His character, because that's what He chooses to do, even though we are messed up, even though we are scarred by sin, even though we are rebellious and, and not really lovely. We're, in all reality, we're more like that Grant who's as cuddly as a cactus and as charming as an eel. I'm really tempted to sing the rest of that song, but I'm going to stop right there. We disassociate ourselves from the Grinch, right? Nobody wants to be the Grinch. Nobody wants to be that, that one that is, ugh. You know, that's, that's him. The rest of us are like these nice, warm, fuzzy people. But the reality is that we're all more like the Grinch than we are anything else. We are not very lovable, but God loves us anyway. John Piper describes God's love this way. He, he says that God's love is death conquering, hardness removing, rebellion eradicating, side imparting, faith creating, personal, individual, invincible covenant love of which every one of us is totally undeserving. And he's exactly right. Every one of us is totally undeserving of God's love. And so as we talk about understanding love and understanding that love is an action, it is not a feeling, this is something that God does for us. God loves us, not because of who we are, but in spite of who we are. And what that should do is it should cause us to, to just be so much in awe of God and who He is that our love for God becomes overwhelming. How in the world could He choose to love somebody like me? But He does. And so that in turn... Uh, should cause us to love Him. You know, understanding how deeply your love changes you. It changes kids. You've seen this, right? Those of you that, that work maybe as educators or you're around other children, it doesn't take too long to figure out which kids are really loved and which ones maybe aren't loved so deeply, does it? You can tell. You can see it in a child when they are lacking 
really being loved. And you can see those that, that really know that they are loved. It makes all the difference in the world. The good news is that that, that is not irreversible. Uh, that, that children that maybe haven't truly experienced love the way they should, once they do begin to experience that, are, are, are able to you know, really make significant strides because of it. That, by the way, is why so many in our church family are involved in foster ministry. We have several families that are foster parents, others involved in respite care, or working with foster, uh, the foster love ministry that we have, because they, they see that, you know, and they recognize the importance of children being loved unconditionally. Now, you put a child, you take a child from a home where they haven't been loved, put them in a home that, that is loving, it's not going to be a perfect home, but a, a loving home, they don't change overnight. It's not like just the next day everything's all good, but you watch over time and you see what happens as over time uh, that child begins to understand and realize that I'm loved, period. Not because I'm good or, you know, but just because. It changes you when you really begin to experience love. The application for us here, I think, should be obvious. That God loves us actively, that God's love is a choice and not a feeling. The same thing then should be true for us. That love is not something that we feel, love is something that we do. Let me tell you something that's most likely going to happen in your family or your, your Christmas celebration over the next few days. If you're getting together, I know this year's a little bit different because not everybody's, you know, getting together as much as they have in years past. But, but if it's a typical year, here's what's going to happen. You're probably going to spend some time around some people over the holidays that you may not spend a lot of time with on a regular basis. There may be extended family members, there may be others, you know, that you see, or maybe you spend more time with them than you're used to spending with them. And if that's the case, let me tell you what's going to happen. Somebody's going to get on your nerves right? Somebody's going to rub you the wrong way. You're going to be reminded why you maybe don't spend more time with them throughout the year, or it, it, it's just going to happen, right? It's just a reality. Let me, let me just encourage you and give you a little challenge here as we're talking about love being a decision and an action, not a feeling. Whenever you experience that over this holiday season, let me encourage you to love anyway. Now, for some, quite frankly, it's more than just, oh, somebody rubs me the wrong way or they said the wrong thing. For some, it may be much more deep-seated than that. It may be like I struggle to hold it together and not lose it when I'm around this person. But love anyway. I know it's hard. but That's what God does for us. God loves us in spite of uh, who we are. One other application, and we'll move on to another point here, but as I think about love being a decision... I don't want to move on without mentioning a primary area of application for so many of us, and that is that if you are married, this is a great um, place to live out this command to love unconditionally. I said a moment ago that, that a lot of us have bought into this, this belief that you fall in love, that you fall out of love. I sometimes hear married couples make statements like this, I just don't know if I love him anymore if I love her anymore and I just want to say well choose to <laughs> look I don't want to oversimplify things I don't want to to downplay the difficulties and the struggles that you have. that's not the point if you're struggling reach out for help we really can help and really will provide support and really will provide some help but but I just can't encourage you enough in this to look for opportunities to 
to put the action of love into place. Even if the feelings aren't there yet, even if they're still hurt, and even if there's still uncertainty and lack of trust and those things that have to be built over time, just do what love does. Put those things into action. You might be surprised at um, some other things that may come along. Here's a great question to ask yourself, and that is, what actions would love lead me to take toward my spouse? What actions would love lead me to take toward my spouse? Because love is something that we do. It's active. Here's the second thing that I see in this passage, and that is that love always leads to giving. For God so loved the world that He, what? That He gave. That's right. Pretty impressive. How old are you? <laughs> you're, you're this many. Three. That's really good. And you know that God so loved that He gave. That's awesome. Good job, Avery. God so loved the world that He gave. That's, that's what you do. When you love, love always leads to giving. You've probably heard me say this before. You can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. And you can give, you know, of your time. You can give of your energy. You can give of your financial resources. You can be very, very generous and do it without a loving heart. But I'm telling you, you cannot truly love without giving in some way. God so loved the world that He gave. He gave His only begotten Son for us. Now, for those of us that are parents, I think we have a, an appreciation for this, this truth and what God has done. I can't imagine the decision to give a child, much less an only child, um, knowing what he was sending him into the world to do. I mean, this time of year, Christmas, we celebrate the birth and all that comes along with it, but the birth was the beginning of, of God's plan, and God's plan was sending Jesus into the world in order to become a sacrifice for our sins. You know, that, that was the plan from, I started to say from day one, that was the plan from the very beginning of time. Before God even created humanity, that was the plan. He knew what was coming. And so his plan was to send Jesus into the world to let him live as a human being. And yes, there were some, some great moments and things that happened. But there was a lot of pain and, and you get toward the end of that, the way he was falsely accused and beaten, mocked and you know, crown of thorns put on his head, eventually arms, hands nailed to a cross, lifted up, as he said in John 3, he was lifted up on this cross, died this excruciating death. I mean, just a horrible thing that, that Jesus had to go through for us. And the Father, that was his plan from the beginning. As a parent, it's difficult for me to wrap my mind around how do you love so deeply that you put your child through that on purpose. That is a huge um, just expression of, of God's love for us. And, you know, when I think about what it looks like for me to give, so often uh, I say, you know, love leads to giving. And one of the things that I, I do love that Christmas is a season of giving. I think that's a wonderful thing. I, I think it's good that, you know, we can you know, give gifts and we can serve and we can help people in need, and, you know, those kinds of things are more on the forefront of our minds this time of year. I think that's a very good thing. I mean, as I've been reflecting on that, I've also been thinking about this. Most of the time when I give, it's fairly surface level, right? You give a gift to somebody, that's really not a sacrifice. Most, I mean, maybe somewhat a little bit, but really not. It's, it's a joyful thing to be able to give. It's a joyful thing to be able to express your love that way. But 
but truly it's not really sacrificial. Certainly not to the level of God giving His Son to become a sacrifice for our sins. And so that's caused me to, to then ask this question, well, what does it look like to love in such a way that I'm giving sacrificially? What about giving in ways that are, that are difficult and painful? Are there ways that God might be leading me to give of myself, to give of my time, to even give of my resources and finances and those kinds of things that are really sacrificial in nature? That's what love leads us to do. That's what God has done for us. Love isn't always just warm, fuzzy feelings. Sometimes love can be difficult and it can be painful. But one thing that we know is that love does always lead to giving. God so loved the world that He gave one other thing that I want to point out is the fact that, that love is broad and not narrow. God so loved the what? What? Is, what? I thought you might be ready to answer again. God so loved the world. The world, right? The whole world. God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son. That is a broad definition of love. It doesn't say that God so loved the righteous. It doesn't say that God so loved those who would love Him back. It doesn't say that God so loved the nation of Israel. It says that God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son. That is a really broad definition of love. And, you know, earlier we said that sometimes... Those that we're closest to, you know, can kind of get on our nerves. But, but here's the, the truth is, really, it is easier to love those within your immediate circle. I mean, yeah, they might get on your nerves, but it's a little bit easier to do that. It's more comfortable to do that. What I want to encourage you to do is to broaden your, your scope of love and to love the way God says God so loved the world, meaning that, that He's, you know, it's available to every single one of us. Verses 16 and 17 talk about that love and what God's desire is. But I think this is important too as we talk about God loving the world. Verse 18 is also a sobering reminder of, of the reality of what happens if we choose not to receive that love through faith. Verse 18 says, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. That's the good news. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. See, I think it's important to say that when we're talking about God loving the world, what, what, what that does not mean is that God says, hey, you just do whatever you want to do. God so loved the world that He just you know, um, approved of every form of self-expression. It doesn't say that God so loved the world that He just turns His head and lets people do whatever they want to do. No, that's not the point. God so loved the world that He sent Jesus. See, our, our sin is a big deal. It does have to be dealt with. But God loves us so much in spite of our sin that He said, let me take care of that. Let me handle the, 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 the issue here. Let me send my son Jesus into the world so that He can become the payment for our sins. That's what love does. It's very broad in its definition, but it's very narrow in its application, right? The, the way that we experience the love of God. God. God puts it out there for everybody, but there is one very narrow and specific way that we accept it and receive it, and that's through Jesus. Jesus is the one way for us to enter into a relationship with God. It says that God so loved the world that He sent His one and only Son, whoever believes in Him, not some other form or some other way that we can make our way to God. 
So remember that love is broad. It is an action. It, it, it means that we get outside of our normal um, scope of, of, of relationships. And Christmas is a wonderful time to do that. It's a great opportunity maybe for you to reach out to somebody this Christmas season that maybe is a little bit difficult to love. Anybody have anyone like that in your family? Don't nudge them if they're sitting next to you. But sometimes there are people like that. Maybe somebody in your neighborhood, somebody that you know, that, that a great way to broaden your scope of love would be to reach out to somebody and to love somebody. Um, love somebody well, somebody that's difficult. You know, uh, we have been encouraging, and I, I just to, to brag on our church family here for a moment, one of the things that we took on at the beginning of this Christmas season uh, was a challenge to, to fill volunteer slots uh, in a few different areas, primarily a, a local food bank, Amazing Grace Food Pantry, as well as our foster love ministry. But we had over 100 spots that we asked our church family to fill, and almost every one of those has been filled. And I know many of you have been going and serving, and it's a, a great expression of that. But let me tell you what is most encouraging to me is when I hear the stories of people that are going and they're getting outside their, their normal circle. And I had the opportunity to go as well and, 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 and to serve and just to see is like, wow, there's amazing um, ministry that's happening to people that I would never see on a regular basis or never be able to touch on a regular basis. But, but this, this ministry, this food pantry is. Um, but the most encouraging part of that has been the stories of people that said, you know, I went and did that, but I'm going to keep going. I mean, it's one thing to get all excited about it at Christmas. We ought to do something. But, but I mean, just to make this part of your lifestyle, where you're looking for opportunities to serve other people. You are loving broadly. And I want to come back in a minute. I'll share a little update uh, on what's happening through that one ministry in particular that is feeding people in our community. But for now, let, let, me, let me just conclude with this challenge to expand that circle, to, to go broader in your, your application of how you are loving, to remember that we don't deserve God's love. Not one of us does. And so we love actively, we love proactively, even with those that are difficult to love. That's what God has done for us. We don't deserve His love, but Jesus gives it to us anyway. That's how incredible God is. And so as we wrap things up today, I hope that we leave with a greater appreciation for the, the length and width, height, depth of God's love for us. And as a result of that, it causes us to love God more deeply. But as we get love God more deeply, we're going to want to love other people too. Because let me remind you, you can give without loving. You can't love without giving. And so what is God leading you to do how are you going to impact people around you as you take that love that God has given to us and then turn around and give it to somebody else? Let's pray together. Lord, we just thank you today for loving us the way you do. Lord, there's so much, there's so much more to it than we could ever grasp. I pray that today we walk out just with a little deeper appreciation and even a hunger to dive in more, to truly understand and appreciate how you love each one of us. But Lord, we want to take that and then express it too. Uh, Lord, just as, as uh, we receive your forgiveness and give it to others, we want to receive your love and give it to others too. Just help us to follow that same pattern, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.